Well, man, I'm so glad that you are here, and I'm just excited to be in the room today. Man, maybe you come to one of our locations at Grace Family Church. Uh, We just came off of one of the best weekends of the year. We had beach baptism. Come on, somebody. We had beach baptisms, and can I just tell you, maybe you weren't there. We had over 500 people take a step to go public in their faith and show the world that they belong to Jesus. Man, it's amazing, and maybe you're in the room today, and you were one of the people that were baptized. We just want to applaud you, and we want to say congratulations in your next step. Man, I'm telling you, God's doing something amazing uh, at Grace Family Church and here at The Exchange, and I'm just so blessed that we get to be a part of it. Um, I'm going to jump into the message, and if we haven't met, my name is Mark. I get the opportunity to serve here as the college and young adult pastor at Grace, and man, if it's your first time, welcome home. Come on, let's put our hands together for everyone here for the first time. We're so glad that you are here with us today. Man, today's going to be great. Um, We've been in a collection called Soul Care, and last week um, I was excited to kick off this collection, kick off with this idea of speaking on three things that are burdening our souls and keeping us from the life that I believe God has called us to live. And today I want to submit this thought to you, that it's not just things that are keeping us from the life that God has called us to. It's not just things that are keeping our souls burdened and unhealthy. I believe there are people in our lives that are keeping us from the life that God has called us to. I believe there are people in our lives that are burdening our souls and keeping us from walking the walk that God has called us to in this life. I want to start here. You know, about two years ago, Michelle and I Uh, We had an opportunity to build a house here in Tampa, and as we were building our house, um, we were at the design center, and my mother-in-law decided to come with us, God bless me, and as we're sitting there in the design center, my mother-in-law was adamant that we get a glass front door. And for me, I'm like, nah, like, that's weird, like, I don't want people looking into my house, but she's like, it's going to be beautiful, it's going to be amazing, and she got Michelle on board with it, so we have a glass door, Okay. But here's the thing about a glass door. How many of you know like when somebody rings the door or rings your doorbell, there's moments where you're like, I'm not trying to get to that right now, you know? I I don't want to deal with that right now. In my neighborhood right now, um, there's this thing called solicitors, okay? Maybe you know about them. Um, There's a variety of them. There'll be people that come around wanting to like get you a pest control treatment or there's people that come around wanting to get you some solar panels. And all the time, People are ringing my doorbell. And I got to the point where I'm like, it's awkward when you make eye contact with them because like there's no turning back. How many of you know like there's no point of return at that moment? So you got to go and open the door. Like I'm a Christian, you know, like that's the right thing to do. I go open the door and every single time, how many of you know they're gonna keep you longer than you wanna stay? Sure, you don't want solar? Nah, bro, I can't afford it right now. You sure, bro? Like, we've got a great deal. How much is it? $30,000. What? <laughs> um, most recently, it hasn't been solar panels and pest control people, but it's like that season for the Girl Scouts to come around. And um, your boy has made an oath and stepped into covenant with God that I'm going to stay away from these cookies. But these girls, how many of you know, they've got their pitch down. Pat, Okay. Like, they came to my door most recently, and one of the girls, so sweet, one of my neighbors, 
A little girl comes, rings the doorbell. Hey, Pastor Mark, it's, you know, our annual cookie sale. I'm like, not this year. Sorry, you know, like, trying to take care of this dad bod. And she's like, but you always get the Samoas. I'm like, not this year. And she's like, but please. I'm like, all right, just, just one. And she's like, what about the dosi dose? <laughs> okay, sure. And like within three minutes, how many of you know, she's kept me there longer than I want to stay, and it's costing me more than I want to pay. She's keeping me there, and here I find myself nearly handing this girl over a $50 bill for some cookies, yo. And what I think is just so interesting about this is so many of us, we find ourselves in this moment or in this space where we have people who have come into our lives, and they've come into our lives and they're, they're baiting us in, they're roping us in, and we get to this place where we're entrapped in a relationship with them. And we know that it's not a relationship that we need to be in. It's not a tension that we need to start tolerating. But we invite them in and then what do we do? We stay in this place where we're stuck and it costs us more than we're willing to pay and keeps us longer than we want to stay. And so many of us, we find ourselves in this thing entrapped in relationships called soul ties. We've got this thing that's entrapped us and it's called soul ties. And you see, I believe soul ties are costing us our calling. Soul ties are costing some of you your peace. Soul ties are costing some of you your confidence, your clarity. Soul ties is costing some of you your purpose. Soul ties are costing some of you your purity. I'd even go farther to say this. Soul ties, you may not even know it, but it's keeping you from walking in freedom and it's gonna keep you from stepping into the future that God has for your life. So today, I just wanna open up in week two and I wanna speak to you from this idea, soul ties that leave you so blind. Soul ties that leave you so blind. Somebody say soul ties. Somebody say so blind. Somebody say soul ties. Now somebody say soul blind. And I believe so many of us in the room today, we don't realize that we have these unhealthy relationships that have blinded us. They've tied us up and because we're tied up, we're not able to move in the direction in which God has called us to go. And I just wanna kind of be truthful and kind of crack it open right here. You see a soul tie, it's a connection, whether healthy or unhealthy, that's established between two people that carries great influence. You see, by default, when we hear soul ties, I think so many of us, we think about dating relationships, but it's important you understand from the get-go, soul ties aren't exclusive to just dating relationships. Soul ties show up sometimes in friendships. Soul ties kind of show up in marriages. Soul ties can even show up in family dynamics. So if you're not dating or maybe you're not in any of those seasons, I want you to know, you know somebody that's in that season. And you know somebody that needs to cut the tie that's keeping them from the life that God has called them to live. You see, the thing about soul ties is many of us don't realize it's those sticky relationships, those unhealthy relationships that's leading us to experience pain and disappointment and discouragement and dysfunction and frustration and disillusionment and anger and shame and pain and abuse and all of these different things in our life that's keeping us from the life that God has called us to live. And I want you to hear me because not only are soul ties real, Soul ties are destructive, and soul ties are powerful. You see, in the Bible, 
There's a man by the name of Samson. And in Judges chapter 13, we hear about this man, Samson. You see, Samson, he was born to be a leader. What we learn in Judges chapter 13 was Samson was called by God to lead God's people, the Israelites, into freedom. But what we see in the text is at this time, there was a group of people called the Philistines. And the Philistines, they were enemies of God. But the Israelites, they were the children of God. But the Philistines, because they were enemies of God at this point in time, it's important you understand They were one of the most influential groups of people at this point in time. And God says that it's Samson that's going to help his people overpower the Philistines. You see, in Judges chapter 13, what we learn is, and I'm going to teach today. In Judges chapter 13, what we learn is that the Israelites, God's people, they're disobeying God. They continuously fall into this cycle of disobedience to God. So God says, oh yeah? Well, I'm going to give you over to your disobedience. And because of that, he gave them over to be oppressed by the Philistines. And God says it's through Samson, I'm going to raise this man up to be a hero for the Israelites. And in Judges chapter 13, verse 5, it says this. God speaks to Samson's mother and says, You will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and his hair must never be cut. For he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. He will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. You see, Samson, he was a Nazarite, which means he was chosen by God for God's purposes. And God wanted to use this man to overpower the Philistines and set the Israelites free. But God does it in a unique way. You see, God, he he gives Samson supernatural strength to do it. God gives Samson supernatural strength to do this. And in Judges chapter 14, what we learn is that as Samson, he matures, and as he grows older, so does his strength. And when I say that, I know some of you are already thinking like, okay, so he was strong, cool, what's special about that? Uh, maybe you think about it like this, like the guy that it's, that's at EOS or LA Fitness, it's like benching 135 five times and like grunting, like obnoxiously. Like, he thinks he's the strongest man in the gym. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, ah! Bro, it's not that serious, okay? See, like, that was not Samson. That's ordinary strength. But God gave this man extraordinary strength. He gave him supernatural strength. And God says it's through your strength that you're going to set my people free. In this moment in Judges chapter 14, we hear that Samson one day, he's, he's walking to a town, and as he's walking to a town, he comes across this, this lion. This is interesting, okay? Because how many of you know, if you see a lion, especially me, being a chocolatey brother, I'm out. Okay? Oh, there we go. It's my wife. And we're very happy. See, Samson, he's, he's walking down the street, and he encounters this lion. Like, I'm out. But what does Samson do? He walks up to the lion, and he tears it in two. Bible's super interesting, okay? I get it. But don't miss this point. Because it was his same gifting, his strength that God had given him, that led him to pride. And what we learn in the text is Judges chapter 14 and 15, is that Samson became so prideful that he started to put himself before God. And not only did he start putting himself before God, he started putting women before God and his relationships before God. 
In Judges chapter 14, verse 1 through 3, it says this. One day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. When he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman in Timnah has caught my eye. I want to marry that girl. Go get her for me. Go get her for me, mom and dad. I just think the Bible is like, it's just hilarious, okay? Because hear this, because Samson's parents reply, and they're like, yo, like, you should not choose a Philistine woman to marry. Those are the enemies of God. So if you marry one of these women, like, this is a curse on our family and our culture. Samson, there's so many Israelite women that you can marry, but no, Samson, he wants it his way. So look at what he says. He says, Samson told his father, get her for me, for she looks good. She looks good. This is how I felt when I seen Michelle Danielle Noriega for the first time. I'm like, somebody go get her. That girl's mine. <laughs> I just imagine this moment where Samson's looking at his parents like, I want her right now. And his dad's like, what are you going to do? He's like, you know what I want to do, dad. I've been waiting all this time for this moment. <laughs> but look at this. Because we laugh about the text. But I think what's so true about this is this is how so many of you are going about dating in your relationships. I think we got to get a reality check. We're in 2023 now where we need to understand and realize appearance isn't enough when it comes to the kingdom. Appearance isn't enough when it comes to protecting and guarding your heart. So many of you need to understand that beauty is fleeting and charm is deceptive. So many of you need to understand today that you have been led with a lie, that appearance is it all. Friend, I'm here to tell you today, you can't walk in alignment with God and stand strong in a relationship with a man or a woman based off of appearance. You need a man or a woman who fears God. You need a man or a woman who fears God. Appearance ain't enough. Appearance gets old. How many of you know gravity hits all of us? Things start changing. Appearance starts changing. It is not enough. And what we learn is Samson, he's so set in his ways. And he's going to learn through this unhealthy relationship that he wasn't walking in the will of God. He's going to learn the hard way through this relationship. You see, moments after Samson marries this woman, he and his wife, they start bickering and they get angry with one another. And after this argument one day, Samson, he goes out and he starts stirring up trouble with some Philistine men. And what we learn is he, he gets into this street fight with some of these guys and scripture tells us that he knocks them all out point blank. And as he's in this fight with these men, he now moves on and he now finds himself in another fight, which isn't a street fight, this is a brawl. Scripture tells us that there's thousands of men in this moment that show up ready to kill this man. See, Samson, he was supposed to be the hero of the Israelites, but now he finds himself a fugitive on the run, running for his life. All because he invited some unhealthy, toxic relationships into his life. And as Samson's on the run, what we learn in the text is he's running for his life and he's scared and he's afraid. And now thousands of these Philistine men show up, but God's power falls on Samson yet again. And what does Samson do? He picks up a jawbone of a donkey and he starts slaying all these men. Okay, God. Like, yo, I just, sometimes the Bible just amazes. Like, this is better than you. This is better than love is blind. This is better than the NBA playoffs right now. Like, this is better than ultimatum. Like, yo, you can't make this up. He slays all of these men with the jawbone of a donkey. 
What? On this moment, I don't want you to miss this. We have the man who was intended to be the hero of Israel running for his life. Because now what we learn is, is Samson's filled with pride and he continues to jump into these relationships and he's attracted to all these women who aren't any good for him. He's running for his life, but he just can't help himself. He can't control his own being. And now he's scared. And he feels like he's, he's lost sight of his purpose. He feels like he's lost sight of his calling. He feels like he's lost sight of walking in the ways that God has called him to walk in. And I'm teaching this today because I just wholeheartedly believe that there's some of you in the room that God has put a calling on your life, that God has purposed you and called you to do significant things for his name's sake. But you have invited some people into your life that have tied you up and it's keeping you from doing the thing that God has called you to do. I'm teaching this and I'm taking my time because I don't want you to miss the power of a soul tie. The power of a soul tie, it has the power to keep you from walking in what God has called you to do. So now we arrive in this moment in Judges chapter 16. Well, we see all of this kind of blow up in Samson's face. As Samson starts singing this song that many of you know, like, Hey there, Delilah. Somebody has it. So he starts seeing this woman named Delilah, and the scriptures say in Judges chapter 16, verse 2, that the Philistine men of Gaza, they gathered together and waited all night at the town gates. They kept quiet during the night, saying to themselves, When the light of morning comes, we are going to pull up on Samson, and we're going to kill him. Skipping down to verse 4, it says, Sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah, who lived in the valley of Sorek. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, Entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong. And now he can be overpowered, and how he can be overpowered and tied up securely. Then each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. This is like... Married at first sight, okay? Like, Samson sees this woman. He falls in love with this woman. But cue Kanye West, because he doesn't realize she is a gold digger. She's been bribed by these wealthy Philistine men, these Philistine leaders. It was five of them in number that say, hey, if you can do us this inside job of finding that man, Samson, that loves you and cares about you, that you guys just started that relationship with, I, I want you to find out how he has his power, and I want you to find out how we can take away his power. And when you do it, each of us are going to give you 1,100 shekels of silver, Pretty much what they're saying is each of us will give you millions of dollars that will cover you and your future family and your future family and your children's children and your children's children for the rest of their life. Can you do it? And the scriptures tell us this, that Delilah, she agrees to doing this. Verse 6, it says, So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me what makes you so strong and what it would take to tie you up securely. Samson replied, If I were tied up with seven new bowstrings that have never been dried, I would become as weak as anyone else. So the Philistine rulers bought Delilah seven new bowstrings and she tied Samson up with them. Verse 9, she had hidden some men in one of the inner rooms of her house. Somebody say her house. And she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. 
But Samson, he, he snapped the bowstrings as a piece of string snaps when it is burned by fire. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Afterward, Delilah said to him, you've been making fun of me, and you've been telling me lies. Now please tell me how you can be tied up securely. I don't want you to miss this, okay? Because when you read this and you learn what takes place right after this, it literally is the same exact thing that just happened. She asked Samson, like, hey, like, can you seriously tell me, like, how can we overpower you and tie you up and secure you? And Samson tells her, if you tie me up with new ropes, I'll become weak. So she does it. And what happens? She calls in the Philistine men, and she wakes up Samson as he's sleeping. Yo, Samson, wake up! The Philistines are here! And what happens? The ropes break, and they fall off. So Delilah, she gets mad at Samson again. She goes, Samson, yo, like, why do you keep on playing with me? Stop playing games. How do I subdue you and take away your power? So Samson goes, man, if you just take my locks, he had, he had beautiful dread, scripture says, if you take my seven locks and you weave them together and if you put them in a piece of fabric with a pen in it, surely you will take away my power. So what does she do? She does exactly what he told her to do. So she goes, she puts his hair together and he goes to sleep and she calls in the Philistine men and as the Philistine men come in, she goes, Samson, wake up! The Philistines are here! And what happens? It didn't work. So in this moment, she goes, I'm done with you. She starts raging, probably starts throwing like things at him and, you know, it's like modern romance. Anyways, you know, but when I think about this, you continue to see this back and forth, this argument, and Samson, he, he tells her and he lies to her and she lies to him and it's just this deceitful game. But it's all a picture of a soul tie. Because how many of you know today, it's a perfect picture of how some of us go about dating. When you think about this in context, this, this is not too far away from how some of us go about dating. It's like, bro, she cheated on you three times. But then you start justifying, I know, but, you know, she told me she won't do it again. I got to take her back. Or, man, like, yo, he keeps on lying to you about where he's at at night and who he's hanging out with. But I know, I know he's not a bad guy, guys. Would you, would you just trust me? He's got good intentions. I'm trying to help him navigate this whole relationship with Jesus. Or how about this? It's, it's like, he continues to disrespect you and dishonor you and mistreat you. And he's emotionally abusive. He's verbally abusive at times. Maybe you know that person that, that experiences all that in the context of a relationship, but then they start pointing the finger at themselves saying, no, no, no. You don't understand, I'm the issue. Like, no, it's okay, it's, it's my fault. I'm the reason why this is happening. I deserve this. Friends, do you see this picture? This is a picture of how some of us date. This is a picture of a clear-coded soul tie. There's no denying today that soul ties are real, but not only are soul ties real, soul ties are destructive. This, this story tells us that soul ties are destructive. Why? Because soul ties, they destroy your perception of reality. And they feed you these lies and they, they, believe, they force you to believe that he will change her, she will change her, they'll figure it out or he isn't the issue or she isn't the issue. I'm the issue and soul ties, they over, 
overpower your mind and your body and your will and your spirit to the point that you start saying, my life is incomplete without him or her. Or I'm not sure I can live this life without them. I'm not sure if I can exist without him or her in my life. What you need to understand is this is a tactic of the enemy. You see, soul ties keep us tolerating abuse. They keep us tolerating control and manipulation and lying and anger in our life. And let me just call it what it is. This is one of the schemes and tactics of the enemy. John chapter 10, verse 10, the Bible tells us that the enemy, he comes like a thief and he only comes to steal, kill, and destroy your life. And it's obvious that it's through soul ties and unhealthy relationships that he can do it. See, if soul ties are not only toxic, but soul ties, they're like a drug that some of you are hooked on. And you just feel like, man, I just need, to, just need to try that relationship one more time. Just need to give it one more chance. I just need to go get it one more time. We just need to figure it out. We need to talk about it. We need to try this thing one more time. And what's so interesting about this is so many of you, you know that guy messed up or that girl messed up and they're no good for you. But that soul tie just keeps bringing you back. It's like a drug, it's, it's toxic for the soul and it's keeping you going back. I even think about this, soul ties show up in marriages. I believe wholeheartedly in the Bible, the Bible speaks clearly to divorce. And I will tell you this, let me pass to you in this moment. There are grounds, maybe you're married, maybe you're getting closer to the altar, there are grounds in the Bible for divorce. And the Bible's very clear, it's adultery and abuse. But I believe there's some people in the room that maybe you've experienced this or you've seen this played out right before you. In a toxic marriage, there could be a soul tie where that woman or that man is experiencing adultery or abuse, but they just keep believing the best in that person, that they're going to change, they're going to turn it around, they're going to get better. And hear me on this, because I wholeheartedly do believe that God is a God of restoration, that he can redeem anything and everything. But I believe if that guy or that girl is unrepentant and refuses to confess, homie, you need to lean into the truth that it is time to cut the tie and set yourself free. You got to cut yourself free. Not tolerating abuse, not tolerating adultery. I believe God can restore and redeem anything and everything. But friends, if he is unrepentant or she is unrepentant, it might be a sign. We need to take the step and break free. You see, when I think about this, some of us in our life, we, we stay stuck and trapped in this soul tie because we truly believe this is the best person that God has for me in this life. Or this is the only person that God has for me in this life. And it's not just when it comes to dating, it's, it's not when it comes to marriage, it even shows up in our friendships. Think about how many of you today are in relationships with people that aren't running the same race that God has called you to. And, and you know that God has called you to walk in freedom. You know that God has delivered you from some things, but you keep on going back to hanging out with the people that are doing the things that God freed you from, day one. Some of you in the room need to just be real with yourself. Here you are, a year, two years, three years, four years, five years, 10 years into your faith journey but you're still hanging out with the people that God called you to break free from. And the thing that's keeping you in those friendships are soul ties. 
Because you start believing this lie that, man, well, they know everything about my life. Or, man, like, we were day one homies, and we used to kick it, and we used to do all these different things. Or, man, like, no one else will ever understand my pain. No one will ever understand or accept me for who I truly am. So you just get familiar and comfortable and complacent. And you start tolerating some of their behaviors and their practices and their ways of life that God already called you out of and freed you from. I just want to help you understand today. Soul ties aren't exclusive to dating. They're not exclusive to marriages. They're, they're also showing up in our friendships in this day and age. And I think some of you today need to come to this revelation. It's time for you to cut the tie with that friend. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, verse 20, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. Walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. You see, Solomon is telling us if we walk with fools, we will reap the pain of walking with fools. But if we walk with the wise, you will find the blessing that comes with wisdom. And I know quite often I'll stand on stage and I'll talk about how I used to be this former athlete and play college football and all this different stuff. But one of the most interesting things is when I was in high school, I used to run track. And I ran the 200 and 400. Now remember, I was preparing for a state track meet. And as I was preparing for the state track meet, my coach, after practice, um, every Thursday, he would put a roster of all of the people that were coming from all across the state who were running the same event that I was running. And he would put the roster up there and it would show us where they're coming from, their name, it had a description of who they are, it had a, a description of the pace that they run at. Why, because my coach, he, he wanted me to be familiar and understand the people that I was going to be running alongside of. I just feel like some of you need to get a revelation today. You need to get an understanding of this truth today. You are called to run with people who are running the same race that God has set before you. Yeah. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us, the author of Hebrews tells us that God has set a race before each and every one of us. And he calls us to, to endure the race, endure the race, to run the race. But some of you today, you're running the race with people who are headed in the wrong direction. You're running the race with people who aren't on the same track that God has called you to run on. And so many of you today, you're trying to pull people with you. But do you not understand this truth today? Whenever there is resistance, friend, you are no longer gaining ground. Chances are you're being pulled back. And I'm trying to help some of you understand this. It's time to break free. You want to walk in all that God has for you. You want to run the race that God has for you. You need to get around some people in this room. You need to get around some people who are actively walking out their faith. So many of us need to understand, though, we're doing the same old thing, hanging with the same old people, and it's those soul ties that are keeping us in those relationships. I even think about this as I get ready to close. Soul ties, they even show up in family dynamics. It's not just dating relationships. It's not just in marriages. It's not just in friendships. But they show up in family dynamics. You know, I've met with countless amounts of young adults and even young married couples that are getting closer to the altar or just came off the altar and new to marriage. But one of the greatest challenges that young couples experience is that they have a hard time leaving behind the teachings of their youth. I don't want you to miss this. 
Because so many of us need to understand and have a good framework of marriage. When the Bible says we're called to leave and cleave, that means mom and dad's voices aren't the loudest in our life. It now becomes your spouse. See, we got to get a good framework for this. First, God's voice is the loudest, then our spouses, and then we still make a decision to honor mom and dad, but we can't let them dictate the course of our life. I'm so glad that this isn't youth ministry and I won't get any emails about this. But can I just, can I just say it how it is? Some of you are being manipulated by your parents. You're allowing your parents to control the narrative of your marriage. And so many of you, you're bickering with your spouse and you guys feel like you can't move forward. You feel like you can't take hold of the altar and all the promises of God in your marriage and your future relationship because mom and dad's voice is the loudest in your life still. But I would just submit this thought to you. That if we can't get past this truth, that God's voice must be the loudest and our spouse's voice must be the second loudest in our life, Chances are we're not ready for the altar. Chances are we, we've got to work through these unhealthy soul ties that we still have in our life. So as I close, here's what I want you to know. Soul ties are not only real, they're not only toxic, they're not only destructive, but they're also powerful. Soul ties are powerful. See, in Judges chapter 16, as we close out this story of Samson and Delilah, scriptures say this, then Delilah pouted after Samson had lied to her all these different times. Delilah says, how can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? You've made fun of me three times now, and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. Verse 16, she tormented him with her nagging day after day, until he was sick to death of it. Verse 17, finally Samson, he shared his secret with her. He gave it up, he revealed it. My hair has never been cut, he confessed, for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were to be shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as anyone else. So Delilah, she realized that he had finally told her the truth. So she sent for the Philistine rulers, come back one more time, guys, for he has finally told me his secret. Stay with me. Verse 19, Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap, and then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. In this way, she began to bring him down, and his strength had left him. His power had left him. Skipping down to verse 20. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. And when he woke up, he thought, I will do as I've done before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. So the Philistines, they, they captured him. Don't miss this. And they gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. But before long, his hair began to grow back. You see, Samson, he did what he thought he would never do. 
He gave away the secret to his strength. He gave away the secret to his power. And some of our soul ties, in some of our soul ties, we're, we're doing things that we never thought we would do. Some of us today, we're experiencing soul ties, whether that's a dating relationship and a marriage and a friendship with our family. We're doing things that we never thought we would do. And we're doing it out of fear. We're doing it out of desperation. We're, we're doing it because we've been manipulated. But I, I don't want you to miss what takes place in this moment. In verse 21, the scriptures say the Philistines, they captured him and they gouged out his eyes. See, Samson, he was, he was not only still tied up, but Samson now, he's, he's tied up and he's blind. He's got his soul tied, but he's also soul blind. Can't see for himself in this moment. And scripture says that as Samson's tied up in this moment, that his head was in Delilah's lap. Let's just be honest and call it what it is. Scripture tells us plainly that night after night, he was spending the night at her house. And clearly this man wasn't reading a book in her lap, y'all. Just call it what it is. My man probably just got done sleeping with this woman that isn't his wife, sleeping with this woman and participating day in, day out in a promiscuous relationship with this woman that God never called him to be with. And now here he is, bound up, tied up, losing his power, losing the call of God, losing the purpose that God had placed on his life. And this man is doing the unthinkable. He gives this woman the secret to his strength. He tells her the very same thing that would ruin his life. Why? Because there was a soul tie. I want you to hear me on this. I want to be sensitive to this. I know so many, so many of you in the room are dating and you're actively in a relationship and you may love him or love her. You may really care about that person. But I just want you to understand, sex outside the wedded bed has the power to destroy your soul. Sex outside the wedded bed, sex out of God's intended design has the power to destroy your soul. And I know so many of you are just saying today, you know, it's okay, we're gonna get married one day. We're in love, it's all right, we can just keep on doing this thing. It's not that big of a deal, but I want you to understand me. Sex has the power to create an inseparable tie between man and woman, and it's unhealthy outside the confines of marriage. And it's toxic, it's powerful. And I just want you to know if you're a follower of Jesus, I believe each and every one of us, we're called to understand, we're called to look past the lie that culture says that it's just sex. It's not just sex because you can't put a condom over your soul. It's not just sex because you can't protect your heart and guard your heart when you're sleeping with somebody that's not your spouse. See, Judges 16, verse 26, it tells us, after Samson had lost his power, his strength was sapped, and he became blind. In verse 26, Samson said to the young servant who was leading him by the hand, he's blind, he can't see for himself, he goes, place my hands against the pillars that hold up the temple. I want to rest against them. Verse 28, then Samson prayed to the Lord as he's holding on to the pillar. He prayed to the Lord, sovereign Lord, would you remember me again, O oh God? Please strengthen me just once more. And God, with one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my sight. 
Then Samson, he, he put his hands on the center of those two pillars that held this temple together, and he pushed against them with both hands and prayed, let me die with the Philistines, God. And the story ends by saying, and the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. So Samson had killed more people when he died than he had during his entire lifetime. He had killed more people when he died than he had during his whole entire lifetime. I love the end of this because God still used Samson in this moment to do what he had initially intended him to do. Why? Because Samson made a decision even in his last moment to turn back to God, to call on the name that is above every name, and to acknowledge that it's only him that can give him the power to do what God had called him to do. What I'm trying to help some of you understand, just as Samson, he, he placed his hands on that pillar. I'm telling some of you today, it is time for you to place your hand on the pillar of your faith. And the pillar of your faith, it's not an object, it's a person, and his name is Jesus. You want power for your life today, friends. You got to cling to the pillar, and his name is Jesus. You want to walk in the purposes that God has placed on your life. You need to cling to the pillar, and his name is Jesus. You want to walk in peace for your life. You need to cling to the pillar, and his name is Jesus. You want to break the ties on your life. You need to cling to the pillar, and his name is Jesus. You want freedom for your soul. You need to cling to the pillar, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus, and it's always been Jesus. And it's in his last moments of his life where he called out to God. He turned to God. And he cried out for him. And maybe this is the reason why in Hebrews chapter 11, where we read the hall of faith, Samson's name is recorded right there in that moment. He may have turned away from God initially, but what I want you to understand, maybe you've messed up in your past. It is never too late for you to turn back to God. It's never too late. It's never too late. He wants you to turn back to him. He wants you to hold on to him. He wants you to pull close to the pillar. See, as I get ready to close, you see, just as I said, soul ties are real, soul ties are powerful, and soul ties are destructive. I believe there's a God in heaven that's looking at each and every one of us in the room, and he's reminding you today, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've walked through, no matter how toxic that relationship has been, no matter how many girls you have wronged or guys you have wronged, no matter how many people you abused, there is a God in heaven that's real. There's a God in heaven who is powerful. And there's a God in heaven that has the power to destroy and crush the attack of the enemy on your life that is leading you to believe the lie that you can't turn back to him today. He's all powerful. He's real. And he has the power to destroy the lies and the ties in your life. So as I close, you're probably wondering, well, Pastor Mark, what do we do with this message today? Like, how do, I, how do I break free of the soul ties? Here's what you need to do. Number one, you need to cut the ties. You need to make a decision. We must acknowledge intentionally that there is a relationship in our life that is unhealthy and it doesn't belong there. Some of you, you, you got to come to this moment today where you acknowledge that there's some sin in that relationship that have led you to astray and you need to cut the tie in that relationship. I just want to remind some of you today 
There's a powerful button on Instagram called unfollow. There's a powerful button on Instagram called block. There's a powerful button in your iPhone, maybe not Androids, anyways. It's called delete and block. You gotta make a decision to cut the tie. I'm not entertaining it anymore. I'm not taking a break. I'm cutting the tie today. If you wanna cut the tie, if you wanna break free, if you wanna walk in all that God has for you in this life, the second thing that you need to do is you need to set some boundaries. You gotta set some boundaries around this thing. I'm gonna put up some parameters in my life. I'm not gonna go to the places that we used to go that remind me of him or her. I'm not gonna listen to the old music that we used to listen to in the car that remind me of him or her. I'm not gonna keep going back to the places and spaces that we used to hang out and chill at. I'm not gonna keep scrolling through his Instagram or her Instagram and looking back at what used to be. You gotta set some boundaries in your life. And the third thing I need you to understand is God's called us to then walk in freedom. You gotta walk in freedom. See, soul ties, they don't break or they don't cut themselves by magic, it's not magical. It's by making the intentional decision day after day to walk in your freedom. To walk in your freedom. To choose the path that God has called you to and walk in your freedom. Every about and every eye closed right now in this moment. I just want you to know, wherever you find yourself today, it may have the power to tie you up, but it doesn't have the power to keep you bound. It may have the power to tie you up, and you may feel like you're stuck, but I'm here to tell you today, there's a name that is above every other name. His name is Jesus. And he's so faithful to help you cut the tie and help you get unstuck. And I'm passionate about this because as your pastor, I've experienced soul ties in my life. I've messed up continuously my dating life, but I had to make the intentional decision to cut the tie. And some of you today, I'm just so burdened and broken to see you stay stuck and missing out on the life that God has called you to live because you've yet to make the decision to cut the tie. So today, I just wanna pray that over you, that you would make this decision to say, God, no more. I'm cutting the tie with that friendship cutting the tie with that unhealthy relationship or dynamic in my family. I'm cutting the tie. So Father, right now, you see each and every person in this room. And God, I just pray that freedom would rise up. I pray that hope and healing would rise up. God, where there's been brokenness and discord and disillusionment, I just pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would set them free. That they would walk in the freedom that you have called them to experience. Change us, transform us, Lord, free us. Let us never be the same. We thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.